Welcome back, everybody. Week 14, College Gridiron. Alongside Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Getting to be that time of the year, the last week of the season coming up this week. Uh, we will not spend a ton of time on week 13, not a ton of time celebrating because week 13 has not beaten anybody in a long time, as no. Ed Orgeron would say. Protect that man at all costs. We have a bunch of games to look at this week. Major playoff implications on the line in a couple of them, but first we will start with last week, and I think the biggest game of the week was Ohio State-Penn State, and Nick, I know you're not going to do it on your own, so I'll set it up for you. You got that one right. You got <laughs> well, it. Well, right. I didn't want to say anything, but since you, you set me up, my picks are just coming and they're not backing down. That's, that's <laughs> won't just be the, the last time. It won't be the last time that I was right. Well, I mean, I was close to right. I, I had 31-21. The final was 28-17, but I was more correct in the neighborhood of a 10-point game, whereas you, I think, had it at four touchdowns. Was it four touchdowns? Yeah, Three I had touchdowns? it 45-17. 45-17. So I've got a little more respect for James Franklin in that Penn State program than you do, perhaps. But they weren't they weren't bad. I mean, I thought – they, they put up a pretty good showing, especially on the road against Ohio State. And I'm interested to see how perhaps that could affect the playoff rankings. We won't get those until tomorrow, but to see how, as Ohio State continues to, to line up that whole conversation with one and two and how you play against Arkansas versus Penn State or whatever, if we could potentially see another shift or if a shift could come – Granted, both teams would, would win, right? But could a, a shift happen with one and two as we, we head into the playoff? Yeah, as you said, Nick, a 28-17 victory for Ohio State over Penn State. Oh, Penn State fell behind 21 nothing in the third quarter of that game. Scored three scores on answer, two touchdowns and a field goal. But a Chris Olave touchdown in the fourth put Ohio State up double digits. That's where it stayed. End of the game. Justin Fields was efficient for Ohio State. Not necessarily huge numbers. Was held under 200 yards with two TDs, no interceptions, and he did just about what he had to do in that game to win it for them. Sean Clifford for Penn State threw for just 71 yards. Will uh, Levis came in and threw for 57. Nobody could really get anything going. That Ohio State defense is scary good, and and we've we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks, trying to figure out who the best team is now that, you know, Alabama is obviously down from that discussion. Clemson's getting back into it, I think, uh, despite maybe some early struggles. Um, Ohio State, I think, made a decent case on Saturday, but I think the one concern that I have is that with as good as Ohio State's defense has been, and it's been amazing, they've played a lot of blowout games, and this doesn't qualify as a blowout, but they had that game pretty well in hand for the entire fourth quarter. I haven't seen Justin Fields have to go win a game. And granted, I'm not saying he doesn't have that ability. It's just that we haven't seen it yet. And that's something I, I think about and I, I worry about it a little because it almost reminds me a little bit of the 49ers situation in the NFL where they've got a great defense. They're going to win it with running the ball. They're going to be physical. They're going to eat up time of possession. But if it's a close game and, and a guy like Justin Fields has to lead Ohio State down the field, I think that's a concern I have because I just haven't seen him have to do it yet. And granted, that's that's probably picking his straws because that's, at the end of the day, a credit to the Ohio State defense. But I think it's something that you have to think about. And, you know, we look at Ohio State against a team like LSU where we've seen Joe Burrow light it up all season long, right? He's probably going to win the Heisman. And haven't seen that out of Justin Fields. He has that capability, I think. 
and we've seen flashes of it, but I want to see him in one of these close games to see how he handles because I think that's an unknown with this Ohio State team. I think it's a legitimate concern, and I will raise you one more concern in terms of Justin Fields, and I will extend that to head coach and play caller Ryan Day. Yep. Because this is his first year, and he's done an excellent job. They've been outstanding, taking over for Urban Meyer. Everything has gone smoothly. One thing that sticks out from this game, right, they've got it under control. They're up 14 at halftime. 17 points in the third quarter out of that out of that halftime break, right? So that, that talks to me a little bit about coaching. So, yeah, they turned it around, and they, they also have the better team. Let's, let's not debate that. They have the better team, and, and the defense is more than legit, and they've got weapons on offense. And granted, he may not be working with not, – not sitting here saying Justin Fields is bad, but he's not the best quarterback in the country. But that, those 17 unanswered are, are in the third quarter are a little bit concerning to me because – Again, when Ohio State sits there in the context of the playoff and says, we want to get to where we want to go, Ryan Day is coaching against Dabo Sweeney. He's coaching against Ed Orgeron, but Joe Brady. And he may be coaching against Nick Saban. Right, so there to me are a little. Uh, there, there's a legitimate concern with the way that his team and and his staff left halftime and, and played in that third quarter. I don't know. Again, you're grasping at straws, trying to get an understanding of, of when Ohio State plays better teams. But they've played teams that, that have far and away been, been inferior to them. They, they got more of a matchup uh, against Penn State. This is probably – I think this is the best team on their schedule. This is the best yeah, team that, that Ohio State has played to date, and, and they got outcoached in that third quarter. So uh, something to watch, something to pay attention to. Y- you never know how it, how it ends up, and – Look, they've got Michigan on the other side this week, and in the playoff you would have how many weeks to prepare. So it's a different sort of conversation, but that is one concern more so to me than Justin Fields on the surface, just the coaching and and how that matchup will go when you're facing off against Joe Brady and Dabo Sweeney and potentially Nick Saban. And when you look at this Ohio State team, I would probably argue they might not be the best team. I'd say they're probably the most complete. When you look at that defense, I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, this team has not had a letdown game this season. I mean, Penn State was the closest game on their schedule, and it was eleven an 11-point game that they had under control in the fourth quarter. And, and it's the eighth-ranked yeah. team in the country. For that's sure. not a letdown. That's no, a good team not. on the other sideline. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely fair. Um, but again, when you get down to a national semifinal, a national title game, we've seen over the last couple of years, I mean, with the exception of last year, it comes down to little things, right? It comes down to, you know, special teams and, you know, little miscues here and there. And like you said, those are things that I think Ohio State has to think about. And that's not something that just, you know, popped up this week. It's just something to think about in general. And, And obviously they've got a big game with Michigan on Saturday. Um, I think we are both in agreement they're going to win that game because Michigan's good, but they're not. I don't even think they're at the same level as as Penn State. They lost to Penn State. But once you start talking about, if you were to look at it right now, Ohio State would be playing Clemson in a national semifinal. And as much as I love Ryan Day, and I, I think he's done an unbelievable job taking over for Urban Meyer because those are not easy shoes to fill. The coaching advantage with, Probably almost anyone Ohio State goes up against, maybe with the exception of if a team like Georgia were to make it, 
I would say would go to the other team. And, and that's more of me not seeing enough of Ryan Day in these types of games than him not necessarily being able to do it. I don't know if it's necessarily a concern. I just think it's, at this point, a lack of knowledge. Because think what you want about Urban Meyer. You knew what you were getting from him in those games, right? You knew what kind of effort his teams were going to bring forth. And with a couple of notable exceptions, that happened. With Ryan Day, you don't know. And again, he's done an unbelievable job at Ohio State. They are playing like one of the two best teams in the country right now. But there are these little things that I think kind of concern you. And I think it's human nature that they have to because, one, you don't know. And, two, you know, you've got a team like Justin Fields, never been in a moment like this. You know, Ohio State hasn't been to the playoff in a couple of years. So most of these players have not been on a stage like this. So I think those are all legitimate concerns for Ohio State. Will it necessarily hinder them, hold them back? I don't know. I would like to not think so, but I think it's something that you have to think about. No, I I, I agree. That's that's why I bring it up. But look, he's Ryan Day's done a great job, and Ohio State has looked great. I just think again, right? You look at it, uh, what, and it kind of circles back to the conversation you were having about Justin Fields. But when you play a game against Clemson, who's been there, who has the experience, who who knows what to expect going in with a majority of their their offense and their their integral pieces on offense having been in the playoff before and the way that they carved up Alabama in that game what happens when you fall behind how does yep. ohio state respond with with a group that's not as experienced certainly in terms of, of playoff experience so that's always something to watch but again Hats off to Ryan Day. He's done a great job so far. It's just one of those things when you're trying to grasp at straws and you're trying to understand who who the the best four teams are in the country and in which order, and you're trying to figure out based upon, oh, how does this team match up or how does this team beat the other team? you you got to read into things, and, and that's one of the things that I read. But, look, again, you play who's on your schedule. You beat them how you beat them. They got the they got the win over the eighth ranked team in the country, and they did it by eleven in a game that they controlled. So hats off to Ohio State, and, and we'll we'll see how it goes from here. It's certainly a big week this week for them, and uh, I I certainly expect them to win. They've got Michigan this week. They've got the Big Ten title game the week after, uh, in which they will play either Wisconsin or Minnesota. Winner of that game, they're playing each other. Uh, in Minnesota, so whoever wins that game will be Ohio State's opponent in the Big Ten title game, uh, and I don't think there's any reason to expect that they won't win. So let's get into that Ohio State-Michigan game right now. Number two versus number 13 in the land as of now. That is subject to change because we're getting the playoff rankings tomorrow. Ohio State comes in only a single-digit favorite. Eight and a half is the line as of right now. That also subject to change. Michigan has had its ups and downs this year. I think they deserve some credit for rallying after that Penn State game. We thought things were going to go downhill when they played Notre Dame. Instead, they've ripped off a winning streak, four games to be exact, dating back to late October. Jim Harbaugh's team playing a lot better as of late. But Nick, as you just alluded to, I think it's clear who the better team is entering this game. And also, not only that, I think Ohio State has more to play for. And Michigan is really just playing for pride at this point and also... The added bonus is spoiling Ohio State's season. So regardless of where both teams are, this is always an interesting game. I expect it to be the same level of intrigue, but I think there's one side that's clearly better than the other. Well, I think the spread of 8.5 as it opens is entirely too low. I think Ohio State is far superior in, in terms of, of the way that their defense matches up with Michigan's offense. 
and yes, this is a nice little run that Michigan is on, and I will give you that, and it's a legitimate win over Notre Dame at home where Notre Dame just didn't show up. But then you beat Maryland, Michigan State, and Indiana. So I, I understand that they've got some momentum. You get, a, you get a cookie for that. But they haven't played anybody of note in, in the latter three games of this four-game winning streak. So I, I just don't see how they're going to score. And that's really what it comes down to. It was the same conversation that I thought we were going to have about them matching up with Notre Dame, and they did. But they also ran for over 300 yards. They're not running for 300 yards against Ohio State's defense. Chase Young will personally make sure that doesn't happen. I just I don't know where it's going to come from because I think Ohio State has the pieces to slow down the running game on their defensive line and in the front seven. And when you put it on Shea Patterson, we've seen what happens. Yeah. Especially against the athletes that Ohio State has in their secondary as well. I just think this matchup is terrible for Michigan because Ohio State does so many things well. I think their defense could actually show up. I don't think that Ohio State will necessarily light it up on the scoreboard. I think 28-31 points for Ohio State isn't something that's out of the question. I think Michigan could do a good job there. But how are we expecting Michigan to score more than two touchdowns? I just don't think it's it's realistic with the way they won't be able to run the football and, and then making making Michigan one-dimensional with Shea Patterson. We've we've seen how that goes, and I just do not think that they have enough, even at home, to, to beat Ohio State. And let's give Shea Patterson some credit here because, I mean, we <laughs> – Never. We, we killed him earlier in the season. But, you know, last three games now, let's give it the last four games. He's thrown for 12 touchdowns. The last two, he's thrown for nine scores. But – Again, like you said, I mean, the last two games has been up near 400 yards. But again, Maryland, Michigan State, Michigan State yeah. Indiana. Michigan State might fire their coach. Maryland is is bad. and First-year head coach for Maryland. Indiana is better. I think that game is, is maybe a little bit more impressive than we're giving them credit for. But, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I, I think, again, the thing to watch for is how does Ohio State respond? Because I think Michigan's going to come to play. I, I don't think Michigan's going to lay an egg like no, they did No, if they lay an Wisconsin. egg, that's, yeah. that's a huge concern on the other side talking about the other coach for Michigan if they were to come in and lay an egg. I don't expect that at all. I think I think you're right there. I think they'll give them a, a decent game. I just yeah. I don't think they'll be able to score. Yeah, and it's a, it's a matter of, of also do they have the horses, right? Because we've seen against Wisconsin, we've seen against Penn State, even to an extent against Iowa, even though they won that game. But they don't run the ball. They're not doing anything. And when the ball's in Shea Patterson's hands, he's not good enough to carry an offense. And it's the same concern we've had with Justin Fields, but we've seen it from Shea Patterson a bunch of times. I mean, the games where they have forced it into his hands. I mean, I mean the Notre Dame game, right? Six for 12, 100 yards. You're not, you're not, you do that against Ohio State, you might not score. So, you know, this is the best team Michigan has played all year by far. Um, they lost to Wisconsin. They lost to Penn State. Both of them not bad losses at all. But, my God, I mean, those defenses are good. Ohio State's defense is, for my money, the best in America. And I would be stunned if – I'd be stunned if Michigan gets to, to like, 28. I, I That's the that's above the max I have them. I, I If they get into the 20s, that's a win for them, even if they don't win on the scoreboard. Um, I think the more concern, like you said, is Ohio State's offense. How do they respond? And Michigan's defense, I think, will will play well. I think they'll come to play. I mean, you look at the last four weeks, you know, you're looking at a team that's given up 14, 7, 10, 14. They're not going to hold Ohio State down to that, I don't think. But Michigan's best hope is to just play a field position game, 
hold Ohio State off the board, try to steal a couple of scores, and win it like 14-7. I really mm-hmm. think that's the best chance Michigan has. But also, as we look at this, if Ohio State were to lose— then you have an entirely different discussion with the playoff, and then you're letting some teams back into it. Um, and I think you know a, an 11 and one Ohio State team winning the Big Ten probably still gets in, right? I mean, I would they, have to. Say, I think they have to. Yeah, I, I think they're especially with Oregon losing. I, I don't know how too. you take because if Ohio State were to lose to to Michigan, they're still ahead of Alabama, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I think that's the only way that they could find themselves out but then if they win the big 10 title i think they still have to jump alabama anyway probably probably because so they have the I, conference title it, yeah, I, I don't think i don't think there's any way that they we, even with a loss this week would would not be in the playoffs yeah and, granted they'd have to win the conference championship right. but we we think they will yeah and, and alabama is not going to go to the sec title game lsu clinched that last week again no celebrating because arkansas has not won anything <laughs> for a long time <laughs> that quote was cold but I think it raises an interesting point, and you know, granted, Ohio State would have to, I think, suffer an epic collapse. I think even if they go to the Big Ten title game and lose, and they're twelve and one, I, I still think they're in. I mean, I would be stunned to see see them not. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting game. I'm gonna pick Ohio State in this one. I'll go with twenty four to three. That'll be my score. Ohio State wins. I don't want to say an ugly game. Because I think that that's kind of a connotation we've given to defensive-oriented games, but I, I think it'll be it'll be uh, kind of a slugfest. But I, th- I think they'll pull away late. I'll go thirty-one seventeen. Okay. That's my that's my guess. I think that Michigan is going to come to play. I think they may even steal perhaps a defensive score or a turnover that'll lead them to getting a touchdown. They may drive for one more. I think that three in today's college football, even as bad as Michigan's offense is, I think that they'll be able to score a little bit, but not. I'm not giving them any credit. Not enough. Not not certainly not enough to to be competitive in this game. Uh, roll roll Bucks here. They're they're beating <laughs> the. They're they're beating Michigan. All right, so we both got Ohio State in that one. Um. They will play the winner of Wisconsin-Minnesota. Low-key, a a pretty big game uh, for the Big Ten West. I don't think it'll have necessarily playoff implications. We know Wisconsin's out. Minnesota's probably out, too. The other big game this weekend, Alabama, Auburn, Iron Bowl, almost never disappoints. Uh, Alabama comes in as a slight favorite. Again, riding the backup quarterback in Mac Jones. Tua Tungavailoa is out for the season with that nasty hip injury that he suffered in the game against Mississippi State. Uh, I find this game to be absolutely fascinating. Uh, I think it's going to be tight, um, but I I still hesitate to go against Alabama, even with the backup quarterback. They've got time to plan. Um, they played Western Carolina last week. I don't know about you, Nick. I viewed that as a bye week. I, I think with the cupcake schedule the SEC plays, I mean, that that's a week to try stuff. For me, and make sure no one gets hurt. Well, I don't. I'm guessing they didn't try anything. They were taking two weeks to look at what Auburn was presenting. Yeah. They may have not told the players that's what they were doing, but behind the scenes, the coaching staff was likely looking at at what Auburn presents. So, yeah, I I, I would find it hard to pick against Alabama, even though they're on the road. But a freshman quarterback in there for Auburn, Bo Nix, who had shown some promise to begin the season has kind of cooled off a little bit. This is 
it, this is really an interesting game for not necessarily playoff implications on Alabama's side. Yeah, of course. Auburn certainly out, and they've played a ridiculously tough schedule. They're a better team than I think a lot of people give them credit for, and their 8-3 and three record overall would indicate. But this has got some serious implications for Gus Melzahn's job security and, and hmm. his future, I think, um, going forward because – He's certainly not on safe footing, and you never know, depending on how this game could go one way or the other, how that could affect uh, Gus Melzahn and, and his future at Auburn. So I would expect Auburn to come out and, and really give Alabama a good shot for for a head coach that I think a lot of the guys there like. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, and again, on the other side, right, it's Mac Jones in his first action against a team that's not you know, Western Carolina, right? He didn't, you know, he, he played a little bit against Western Carolina. He was out, I think in the, in the first half, Saban learned his lesson, but it'll be interesting to see how he reacts into not only the best opponent that he has played this year, but against, uh, you know, dealing with the environment of the iron bowl and he's on the road and everything else and all the factors that go in there. I still think that Alabama just on the whole is a better football team. And I think that that carries them through because, for every mistake that maybe Mac Jones might make as an inexperienced quarterback, Bo Nix is is liable to do the exact same thing on the other side. But it, this is a really interesting conversation and a really interesting game. One of the more interesting games that we've seen this year that doesn't necessarily impact the the playoff the way a, a uh, you know an Alabama LSU game would. Well, let's move off the game. Let, let's talk about this Malzahn discussion because I find this fascinating. Look at the totality of what he's done at Auburn. First year, win 12 games, go to the national title game. He has the lead with, what was it, 30 seconds to go, 45 seconds to go. Jameis Winston leads FSU down the field. They win the national title. But then you go after that. Eight and five, seven and six, eight and five. He had a 10-win year in 2017 where they went into the SEC title game thinking if they win, they're, they're going to the playoff. And they lost to Georgia pretty handily. And then after that, last year they go eight and five. This year again with eight wins. Overall in the SEC, thirty-two and twenty-three. That's kind of average. I mean, granted, really tough schedule every year, and you have to give that consideration when you're playing Bama, LSU, Texas A&M, Mississippi State. I know they're down this year. That's that's gauntlet. That's murder, kind of. Um, I don't think it would be fair to fire him. Um, I I don't agree with people calling for his job. But when you look at the the scope of what he's done, and, and also, by the way, he's only won two bowl games, the Birmingham Bowl and the Music City Bowl. Every other one he's lost. He lost the Sugar Bowl to UCF in twenty New Year's Day 2018. He lost the Sugar Bowl the year before to Oklahoma. I, I, don't, I don't know. Did I say Sugar Bowl for UCF? That was the Peach Bowl. Um, and they lost the Outback Bowl at the end of the 2014 season, which you, I mean, say whatever you want. I don't know. Bowl, I, I think it's difficult to, in the in the landscape of of Auburn being Auburn, to judge a coach on success in bowl games. No, I, and I agree, but I'm, I'm just playoffs. saying postseason but, results yeah, in like no, big games. I, I yeah, that's I, I think that stuff's kind of important. And I also think that look, you talk about a young quarterback promising Bo Nix if he can develop into the the potential that he showed at the beginning of this year and become a more consistently good quarterback, I think that Gus Malzahn is the right guy to pair with Bo Nix. I think in a lot of respects there's the question of, yeah, well, you could get rid of Gus Malzahn because he's been kind of average and how does it go or whatever, 
but then who are you bringing in to replace him? That's and I think that that's also yeah. a, a legitimate conversation, and I don't think that the head coaching market is especially um, you know brimming with talent right now. Uh, so I think that he should stay, barring something ridiculous happening in this game where they just get absolutely outclassed by Alabama, which I don't expect. But I think that Bo Nix has shown enough to have a promising future, to want to pair him with the offensive mind that Gus Malzahn has shown to be. And look, I know Auburn may not want to hear it, but they're not the program that is Alabama and, and or even LSU and or LSU. They don't have that history. And yes, they are they are a team that can win a national title. You can win it there, but I just don't think that they consistently recruit and get the talent that makes them uh, a program the way Alabama is a perennial powerhouse every year. They just they're not in that conversation. I think it's more of a hit or miss. We want to compete with Alabama, and if we get the right recruiting class in there with the horses, we can we can strike and we can beat Alabama. But it's very difficult to be really good when your rival is really good, and Alabama yeah. has been really good for a long time. And and I don't know how realistic you can expect. Auburn, you know, how realistically you can expect Auburn to year in and year out compete for a national title in the college football playoff. Yeah, and it's the same problem other schools in the SEC have had, right? I mean, even teams that have had good years, you know, you look at LSU, right? I mean, they finally beat Alabama, and that felt like, you know, a huge paradigm-shifting thing in the SEC. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it felt bigger than just one game where they beat Alabama back in early November. Um, Texas A&M going through the same thing. Mississippi State when they were up. Ole Miss when they were up with Hugh Freeze for a couple of years there with Bo Wallace. So, I mean, that that's what other schools have gone through. But Auburn, to an extent, and, and again, this is going to sound terrible, will always be little brother. It's the same way Michigan State was to Michigan all those years. And Michigan State broke through for a few years under Mark D'Antonio, but look what's happening now. I mean, say what you will about Michigan and, and their – in some ways, a little bit of a mess, but Michigan State has fallen dramatically since 2015 when they went to the playoff. And there are schools like Alabama, like Clemson, like Ohio State that have sustained success that never really go down, especially in the last decade or so. Auburn, like you said, do they recruit at that level? Probably not. I mean, because teams are going to go up, teams are going to go down, right? Um, even a team like LSU has had ups and downs over the last couple of years. 2017, they went to the Music City Bowl, the Austin Notre Dame, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, and these things happen. But can Auburn consistently be that program to compete with Alabama, compete with LSU? That's a difficult question. And also, you brought up the point of who are they going to bring in. I mean, we've seen other schools have that issue, too. I mean, look at Rutgers right now. They fire, who is it, Chris Ash to try to— with the explicit purpose to bring in Greg Schiano, and now they're not going to get him. And, th- and that's the same thing. Is there someone better than Gus Malzahn out there? I'm not convinced there is. I'm just not convinced that that person exists. And if it does, who is it? And who are you luring? Because you would probably have to get a head coach from another program, right? For an SEC-level school, you're probably getting a lower-level, maybe group of five head coach. But who's out there to get? I I, I think that's a discussion where you're saying— yeah, well, Gus Malzahn's not doing great, but who are we getting? And that's the question. And and I and I don't think there's somebody out there that you know for sure is better than Gus Malzahn. So in that sense, I would keep him. No, I agree with you, and I don't think that you can attract a big name because of the competition with with Nick Saban as well. I, I, 
you know, let's let's talk about it for a second. The the hot name out there is Urban Meyer. Could you lure Urban Meyer I don't think you to could. come back and coach, you know, anywhere? But from an Auburn perspective, I don't think that's realistic. That's like that's the guy you'd fire Gus Malzahn for. I mean, if you could get Urban Meyer, you you'd certainly do it. Mm. But I just don't think if you're Urban Meyer, right, with if you were interested in coming back and coaching with a potential opening at Notre Dame, I think they'd make a move if they knew they could get Urban Meyer or USC, um, USC yep. right, in the same way. You want to go in there and, and directly compete with Nick Saban in that way? I don't think so. No. Not for Auburn. Especially if you're going to lose. And the thing is with Urban Meyer, too, I mean, how much damage are you doing to your right. leg? It's like Lou Holtz at South Carolina. He's point. already beaten Nick Saban in a national title game. Yeah. What does he have to prove against him? Right? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. Make and then he went sense. to Ohio State and did it again right. in, the, in the Sugar Bowl in mm-hmm. 2014. So I don't know. Um, just going back to the game here, real quick. Uh, you got Alabama. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll right. take Alabama in a close one. I think it's going to be a higher scoring game. I'd go. I'll call it 35-31. Okay. I'll be. Uh, you know, I'll be a little bit more aggressive again. I'll go Bama by 14. Um, what numbers do I want to go with here? Mm-hmm. 35-21. I'll, I'll go kind of off you. I'll go 35-21. Should be an interesting week of games. Uh, Utah-Colorado is also a big one, by the way, uh, for playoff implications. Depending on how that Alabama game goes, Utah could find itself in position to go to the playoff. Whether or not they deserve to be there, extremely debatable. Really haven't played anybody, but they might get that fourth spot by default. But, Nick, a fun time as always. But by, by the way, have a happy Thanksgiving. You're you're going home tomorrow? I am. Yeah. I am going home tomorrow. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Jimmy. I hope it's it's great, filled with football, both both pro and college, and it's it's a good weekend. Well, for you. Thursday will be pros, and then uh, the the weekend will let will let the college kids take over. <laughs> but Thursday, I'll I'll have everybody over at the house. I just hope they can fit them all. Uh, Nick, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, as we said. For my partner, Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you back here again next week.